This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's Sunday, November 27, 2022, and welcome to the 41st episode in this series from Midas Touch and 5-Minute News called The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. You can subscribe to the show as an audio podcast in addition to my daily 5-Minute News podcast on iTunes or wherever you get yours. Joining me today is former congressman, presidential candidate, author, and now host of the podcast White Flag with Joe Walsh, Joe Walsh. Welcome to The Weekend Show. Hey, Anthony, it's really good to be with you, man. Thank you. Very pleased to have you here. You have a, a lot of experience that I'm really keen to tap into. Mm. Uh, we have something in common. We've both been talk show hosts on the radio, and uh, you actually lost your talk show host, uh, your talk show show, once uh, it was clear that you'd kind of switched allegiance from the yeah. uh, Donald Trump camp to the supporting Joe Biden. Uh, from the moment about five years ago now that I came out publicly against Trump. I was on about 100 to 200 radio stations around the country. From the moment I publicly came out against Trump, I began to lose the show, lose advertisers, and pretty much get beaten up every day for the next year or so. And and talk radio in the U.S., we don't really have this in the U.K., but talk radio in the U, in the U.S. really is very much a, a kind of right-wing medium, isn't Completely. it? And the, the way these networks, the way they're owned and the syndication, I don't think people really understand. There's a very good documentary, actually, called The Brainwashing of My Dad uh, uh, that a, a girl made about her father doing a drive, a long drive to work every day. And he was a, a liberal, and right-wing talk radio converted him to becoming this very kind of nasty, racist kind of guy. Did you think you were part of that system and you kind of broke out of that? or and, and how much does that still exist? We know that Rush Limbaugh, who was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom, is like at the center of, of, of that. But how do you feel kind of leaving that behind? Look, it's uh, I was part of it. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this. I was uh, one of the more popular talk radio hosts in, in the country. And... Um, it is a right-wing dominated field. Uh, the, the average listener is primarily a, a, an older white man or an older white woman. And the job generally of people like me is to piss off your audience, to get them inflamed, to get them scared, uh, to get them outraged. Um, I, I, I didn't do as much of that as some of the bigger names did, but I did more of, that, more of it than I'm proud of. Uh, and and I, I've got to live with that because that helped create the, the fertile ground for Trump. And fear is very much at the center of that whole movement, isn't it? Making people scared. And, and all the cable news channels do it. You know, the, the, the screen flashes and the countdowns and the drama. And again, that's something that was quite alien to me when I relocated to the U.S. I was like, what is this? Like, why are they trying to make people feel so uneasy? about living in society, this kind of hatred and creating a, an environment where your neighbor could be your enemy. You, you know, it, again, it goes to the audience. And this is analogous to the Republican Party, the party that I left two and a half years ago. We're primarily talking about an audience of white men and white women. These people want 1950s America back. So Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh in his day Every, every day and every night they were on, they pretty much tell their audience that this country is losing that 1950s white America. Anybody can marry anybody and there are 64 different genders and, and black and brown people are flooding into this country. Um, 
so it's about fear. Uh, and it's about creating uh, people who get so wound up and so angry that they never stop listening to you, but that they take action. And sometimes it does lead to violence. And tragically, we've seen that violence only this week. I mean, the the shooting in a in a gay club. Uh, we've seen a shooting at the at the Walmart. Both of these clearly were the types of crimes that had been. People have been pushed to a point by the media, by social media, by Facebook groups, by cable news. That kind of sense of the way you deal with your hatred is to take the lives of others. And and in both cases, God was used as a as a as a kind of the linchpin of why this was okay. It was like a, an act of of God. Uh, religion plays a big part in this in this conservative move I let me not say conservative in this Republican or MAGA Republican movement doesn't it look I, I I was a Republican my entire life why because I've generally always believed in a more limited government I'm generally a libertarian I believe in free speech the free market um, but that's not what this Republican Party the last six to seven years uh, has really become. Uh, it is it is a it is a radicalized political party that in fact does want uh, an authoritarian to lead them Trump and whoever replaces Trump and it really does want America to be like a Christian theocracy uh, that's anathema to to what I believed uh, which is why you know even like if Trump were gone tomorrow. Uh, there's no way the Republican Party would ever welcome somebody like me back or would I ever want to go back to that because it's now it's now a fully radicalized party that no longer believes in democracy. I believe that. Um, you're, you're a rare breed in as much as you're a reformed Republican. Do you think there are others like you who, who were embedded in the Trump movement of 2016? I mean, you voted for him and you, you supported him. Do you think there are other people like you who don't want to be part of this new cult and would like you not just say, OK, I'm done with with Trump and the, and the MAGA Republicans, but actually vote for Democrats? Anthony, I don't know anybody else the last six to seven years who did what I did. Uh, I mean that I, I'm a I'm a former Republican congressman. I, I was a major talker in right wing media and I left the Trump cult. I don't know of anybody else who did that. There were a lot of people like Ben Shapiro and others who opposed Trump in 2016, but then they moved toward him. So you saw a lot of right-wing media talkers move toward Trump. You saw a lot of Republicans move toward Trump because they understood that's where the audience was and that's where their voters are. I took a blowtorch to my career. Um yeah, I, I paid a price, but I, I couldn't have lived with myself if I hadn't done what I did. But but I, I, I lost everything. And so if you're a Republican member of Congress or you're a, a syndicated talk radio host and you saw what happened to Joe Walsh or what happened to Liz Cheney this past year, why would you want to go down that road? You lose everything. Tell me what losing everything is like, like living with that. It's not just income, is it? No, income's a big. No, it, it's not just income. Income's a big part of it. I uh, again, I, I was being interviewed about four months ago, a Canadian talk radio host, and he's the first one who said that to me. We were talking for about ten minutes, and he said, "Damn, Joe, you really took a blowtorch to your career in life." And I went to bed that night, and I really thought about it. It's true. I lost all of my supporters. I lost all of my voters. I lost all of my followers. I lost most of my friends. I lost a lot of my family members. I lost any chance to have a future as a Republican again. And I lost my livelihood. I lost my radio show. I lost every appearance I had on Fox News. Uh, that all went away, a financial hit. And then Anthony, on top of that, it's the hate and the death threats that you put up with every day, week, and month for the past five and a half years. Um, this is a bit, I, I've had Republicans in Congress privately ask me what it's like, former colleagues of mine. And they tell me the thing that scares them the most is 
if they publicly came out against Trump, they're going to put their life on the line and get death threats. And I didn't sugarcoat it. Yeah, that's what you have to put up with. It gets hard. I mean, it's hard. It, I, I can't deny that. De- um, I had a couple of death threats when I used to be on the radio in England, but you didn't worry too much because no one has a gun in <laughs> England, right? Getting death threats in the United States where the proliferation of, of firearms is, I mean, there's more of them than people, some say. There's more rats than people in London, but there's more <laughs> firearms than people in the U.S., I mean, that must be must be pretty scary. Well, it, it, it is. But again, the, the backstory here is, and I want to remind everybody listening to us, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud Tea Party Republican. I, I mean, I'm not a moderate Republican. I wasn't an establishment Republican. Back when I was in Congress, John McCain and I would fight all the time. I'm a weird duck because I came from the far right and left Trump and Trumpism. When you talk about guns, Anthony, I'm a huge uh, gun supporter, gun rights supporter. I'm a, I'm a gun owner. I'm a huge defender of the Second Amendment. Um, so, but, but having acknowledged all of that, we have a problem in this country, no doubt about it. Uh, the problem generally, I don't think, is, is the number of guns. We do a lousy job in this country of making sure somebody who shouldn't have a gun doesn't get one. That's where we really fall down. The the statistics have kind of got out of hand recently, um, just regarding the, the numbers of guns. I, I think since 2015, gun ownership has, has doubled yeah. across the United States. There, there does seem to be this feeling amongst these far-right Republicans, could call them all Republicans. I mean, I'd be interested to, from your perspective, you know, how many of the Republicans that are voting Republicans supporting the, the MAGA Trump movement are, are e- extremists because, the, you know, the, the rhetoric now is to suggest that all of their, all of the supporters are extremists. The, 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 you know, how, how many of those are carrying, you know, semi-automatic weapons? Because, you know, that's really the linchpin for me. I, I respect people's right to be armed, of course, but not with guns that were designed for the battlefield. And I think really that's the difference. And in all of the mass shootings that we've seen in the, in the last, you know, 20-odd years, they've all if, invariably involved some variation of this particular firearm. Well, yeah, I'd make two points. Um, virtually every gun in America sold today a handgun or a long gun is semi-automatic, uh, virtually every gun. And that just means every pull of the trigger, boom, fires. Uh, so, so some guns look, some semi-automatic guns look scarier than others, but they pretty much all do the same thing. And most, virtually every American who's buying a gun today buys a semi-automatic weapon. The other point I'd make is that, yeah, gun ownership is, is up. Uh, Gun ownership was up when Obama first got elected. We go through waves, but gun ownership is up among the far right. Gun ownership is up among black Americans. It's up among women. It's up among women of color. Um, We can debate whether all of that is a good thing. So many people buying guns, but it's up across the board. And and that's because of the fear that um, arguably the media has kind of infected society with that that the that democrats are coming for your guns that that you know that the opposition is positioned as the enemy you know where i'm from political parties are in opposition but here it's very much the enemy and and that language is it's it's very fractious isn't it it's a great point I, uh, and and i'm going to address it in a second um i also think a lot of people have been buying firearms to defend themselves Crime in red states and blue states is pretty much up in America all over. Um, I I saw something on, uh, I think it was CNN about a month ago. Black women in Los Angeles are buying guns and getting themselves trained in how to use guns to defend themselves because they don't feel safe in their neighborhoods. Crime's a real issue. Republicans demagogue crime, right? Tucker Carlson and Hannity and right-wing media demagogues crime. But Democrats have never never understood how real of an issue crime is with Americans. To your other point, Anthony, and it's spot on. Look, um, 
people you disagree with now politically in America are not just your political opponent, they're your enemy. We see this most pronounced on the right. When I say that the right in America is radicalized, and I come from the right, what I mean is they no longer believe in truth. They've given up on democracy. They literally want a strong man to give them 1950s America again. And they're either indifferent to or open to political violence as a legitimate tool. That's scary. Is that because of the way the Constitution suggests that, you know, you should be allowed to defend yourself against some kind of political machine? Is it, is it all stem from the Constitution? Or because the Constitution is used as an excuse, obviously. But, but how much of the, the kind of founding father's version of that is relevant today? I think, uh, again, a, a big part of it is... Um, we have a gun culture in this country that is unique in the world, good thing or bad thing, whatever. We do have that Second Amendment. We do have that Bill of Rights. And Americans have a right to defend themselves. And this has always been a big sacred deal to most Americans. Um, and it's still really relevant today. There's no doubt there are many people who use that as an excuse to arm up. Um, but most Americans don't. You know, in this discussion, Anthony, of guns, and I find it fascinating because we just don't understand each other. 98, 99% of all gun owners in this country are law-abiding gun owners who would never commit a crime with a gun. You talk about the AR-15, so-called assault weapons. 98, 99% of all people in America who own an AR-15 would never commit a crime with a gun. But... We need to do a better job in this country of making sure that people who do want to commit a crime don't get a gun. And that's where we really fall down on the job. In but there's country. no appetite for that, is there? There's no appetite politically whatsoever because it's a poison chalice, a chalice as far as the Democrats are concerned because they, they, they may lose votes over it. And the Republicans are, are going to hang on to guns. I mean, there are Republicans that use guns now to advertise their candidacy for, for Congress or, or for the Senate. Um, so there's, there's, it's never going to happen. I mean, let me just make a – I'm sure you're aware in uh, By the way, Scott, I, I, I disagree, but continue. Okay. Well, no, no, tell me what you disagree on first before I continue. I, I, think, I think there is an opportunity – I think things have changed when it comes to guns. And I think what's really changed is this. I'm an avid – uh, gun owner and gun rights advocate. I left the NRA five years ago because the NRA has no interest in doing anything to stop gun violence. I'm not alone. There are There is a building movement of gun owners in this country sick of these mass shootings and what's going on. And Anthony, what's got to happen is gun owners, I think, have got to lead the fight for reform. And I think that's going to happen. How can it happen if the NRA kind of is like a, a lobby organization? You know, if it, ha you know, it has huge money backing, you know, financial support. It, Wayne LaPierre is on a mission, you know. <laughs> he likes to spend some of the money on his own lifestyle, but you know, he is not going anywhere. And you could argue that he is an extremist. He is a far-right operative. He is somebody that wants to maintain this status quo. I mean, it... It would be very difficult for any gun rights um, or people that wanted to make changes, as you described, to kind of make any headway. In, you know, and when you say it's 98% are, are law-abiding with their guns, you're talking about 330 million people. So 2% is, is still so many people that have access to firearms. And, and the guy who did the shooting in the Walmart bought the gun the very day that he committed the crime. I mean... It's so easy. Even here in California, where I live, I drive past gun shops all the time in a very, in a very uh, blue state. It, it's, it's so much the fabric. It's like the Wild West. And yet, I just don't see how that this will ever change. So um, I, I can tell you from personal experience, when I went to Congress 10 years ago, the NRA basically squeezed your Pick a body part. The NRA controlled right. Republicans like me. Most Republicans like me danced to their tune. 
in the past 10 years, Anthony, that's changed. So many gun owners have left the NRA. The NRA no longer has the same influence over Republican politicians. And all you have to do is look at this past year. The, 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 the gun piece of bipartisan gun reform legislation that was passed didn't do huge things, did a few little things, but Republicans openly defied the NRA. The NRA didn't, was demanding that Republicans not even support that piece of legislation. So I do believe we're seeing a sea change here when it comes to things like universal background checks, um, enforcing red flag laws. I mean, damn it, the, the vast majority of gun owners like me in America support these things. They don't have, this support needs to be, needs to become a movement and it's beginning to become a movement. But there's an elephant in the room here, and that is that a lot of the people who own gun shops, who are gun salespeople, a lot of the law enforcement whose job it is to make sure that the, the law is followed in this way, we are starting to discover that a lot of these people are far-right operatives themselves. Now, and that they, they don't want more black or brown people in the country and that they don't care for equality and that they are in, the, in itself extremist in their views. And we're asking those people, and some of them are sheriffs, Joe, we're asking those people to police the gun industry or gun sales. And this is, in my opinion, why things like red flag laws will never work, because, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's like a disease that is in the very people that are charged with policing it. So uh, the Colorado shooting, Colorado yeah. had a red flag law. The county that that crime was committed in uh, is a Second Amendment sanctuary county. To your point, yeah. uh, the, uh, law enforcement in that county publicly and purposely uh, refused, defied state law. This is a problem. Uh, I, uh, but, but again, I'm, I'm, on this issue, I'm not optimistic on America. I think America's, uh, America's experiment may be over. But when it comes to guns and, and finally trying to get something done, I am optimistic because most Americans now are finding out that law enforcement in too many parts of this country has no interest in enforcing gun laws. Gun owners, I hear from hundreds of gun owners every day. I can't tell you, man, uh, we, we've had it. So I think that's going to be turned into a lobbying effort that will rival the NRA and pressure Republican politicians to pass stuff. In, in the UK and Scotland, there was one school shooting in Dunblane. And the law was changed. And there were no more school shootings. But, so the, the law was changed so that you couldn't, know, you couldn't own a gun. And, 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 and that, and, that, and, that yeah. ended. Well, that, and, and, right? and Anthony, God bless that. That will never happen I know, in America. I know, but I'm and, saying. And, and, and you know what? Uh, we're a different animal. Yeah. We have a Second Amendment. We value that Second Amendment as much as we value the first. We have a gun culture in this country. And I often think, and, and I'll ask you, Anthony, if you could snap your fingers and, right, we, we have how many guns in, the, in America right now? We have how many gun owners? If you could snap your fingers right now and do something to end gun violence in America, what would you do? Well, it would be the ban of the automatic rifle. I think for me, that's what it would be, only because I look at the statistics and I see that the numbers of people shot, I mean, even Uvalde as an example, you know, if that was a handgun and not a machine gun, then the numbers of fatalities would be reduced significantly. I'm going to, I'm going to pop, I'm going to lovingly pop you upside the head. You're very welcome to, you're very welcome to. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't an, there, there are no automatic weapons in America. There are no machine guns in America. Those were outlawed in the 30s. Let's be clear, we're talking about semi-automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapon, long weapons and handguns. And, and again, virtually every gun in America is semi sold is semi-automatic now. So in essence, you'd have to get rid of every gun in America because they're all semi-automatic, whether they're long or short. 
In, in, well, in, I guess in, it's to do with the magazine. Happen. It's to do with the magazines, isn't it? It's to do with the the ammunition. You know, how many how many bullets can be fired in this amount of time? And you know, you can tell I'm not a gun guy oh, just by the way I talk about it. But I I was held at gunpoint by the police in the UK in a case of mis, mis, uh, yeah. mistaken identity one time. The scariest moment of my life. This was back in the nineties, and I I just was like. To be on the on the receiving end of the barrel of a gun, it was actually three guys with with rifles with red dots on the back of my head, and I was thrown up against a mirror in a hotel room. Yeah, I mean that stuff doesn't happen in England very often, and so I just know the the fear associated with it, and culturally, I recognise the two countries bear no resemblance. I mean, let's be honest, the language isn't even that close. <laughs> but 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 I I and. And I would never try to suggest that guns should be eradicated from the United States. But I think the argument that you're making that every weapon is a semi-automatic weapon is is very much... I, I hear a bias in your argument because you are a gun owner and you are... You know, there there is, there's got to be a happy medium. There's well, got to be some statistics that they can base a reformed gun law on, I'm, which I'm sure is already... They're already pushing for it on the statute. Well, and, and, and Anthony, I'm, I'm, I'm open to hearing any sorts of reforms along those lines, but that, that, that's not bias. It's just it's a fact that every weapon in America sold today is semi-automatic, period. Um, and, and so we've got to deal with that. They're all out there. You are not going to ban semi-automatic weapons in this country. You're just not. And the, one of the other points I'll make is the mass shootings grab a lot of headlines because they're horrible. The vast majority of gun violence in this country every day, week, month, and year is committed with a handgun, a semi-automatic handgun uh, in Chicago or St. Louis or D.C. or out in rural America, uh, not the AR-15s that everybody talks about. But it's only in America. I mean, this is the other thing I really think people forget. I mean, okay, outside of war zones or or places where, you know, the Taliban are are controlling the the country, this simply does not happen anywhere else on the planet. Agreed. Agreed. And, 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 you know, it's funny, Anthony. Ted Cruz was asked that very question about six months ago, and he's such a coward, he couldn't answer it. Yes, in no other, no nowhere else in this country, besides war zones around the country, around the world, uh, is like America when it comes to gun violence. Why? We have too many guns. There, I'll say it. We have a gun culture. There, I'll say it. Uh, now, there are a lot of other factors, but I can't deny that. But the point I'd make to you, Anthony, is we have a gun culture. We have a gazillion guns in circulation right now. What are you going to do about it? Like, I I understand that that we should bemoan it, but what are you going to do about it? And I would argue you're not going to take away guns. You're not going to ban guns. That's that's a non-starter. So if you want to do something about gun violence, then have universal background checks, Um, Make sure people have to get a permit to have a gun. Make sure they have to have training to have a gun. Enforce red flag laws. And if cops don't enforce red flag laws, take away their badge. Do things like that before a gun is bought. And I would argue, Anthony, these reforms are reforms that 97% of gun owners in America support. But if you talk about, I'm going to take away certain guns, you lose them. You lose them. The other argument is changing the culture of fear and grievances and this kind of general hatred that we see. And I hate to keep referring to England, but, you know, I spent 40 years there. Hate speech in the UK is illegal. So if you post hate speech on Twitter or if you uh, are, you know, on Facebook or if you make some hateful comment to somebody wearing a hijab in the street, you'll get arrested. And I think that's And you'll horrible. get charged. Oh, my gosh, Anthony. I love you, but man. But trust me, I grew up amongst it, and it's brilliant because it means that free speech is celebrated. 
to be completely free. You can say anything and criticize the the prime minister and criticize the police. You can criticize the queen or the king these days. You can say anything you want about anything, but you can't be rude about people on religious grounds. You can't be critical. You know, you can criticize them, but you can't be hateful towards them. It is hate speech that is illegal. Now, in most cases, hate speech does not get punished because, you know, it would be too much. But if you report it, the police have to take it seriously. Now, to you here in the US, you're going to be like, well, where's the freedom? And I'm saying as the 40 years that I spent, even on the radio, which is regulated, where I couldn't talk about certain things and, you know, I didn't feel like my wings were clipped at all. And here, freedom takes on a whole new definition. And freedom is the reason why we have the extremist MAGA cult movement. And arguably, if hate speech was illegal in the US, the rise of Donald Trump might have been a little more difficult to, to happen. Um, I, I love you, brother. And I, I've, I find <laughs> this discussion fascinating um, but thank God we have a First Amendment in this country. Uh, and thank God I am free in America to say, I think white people are evil. I think gay people are evil. I think Jews are evil. I don't think those things, Anthony. But I want to live in a country where people are free to express hate. I don't want the government telling people, determining what's hateful or not. And we talked about the Second Amendment. Man, if you try to go after the First Amendment in this country and criminalize, I mean, that's the speech, Anthony, the speech that offends, the speech that that makes people uncomfortable. That's, that's the very kind of speech that the First Amendment protects. I don't want the government taking that away. It's interesting, isn't it, the the difference between free speech and hate speech. Do you recognize that there is a difference between the two? Do you recognize that that if you have an understanding of the modern world and 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 a sense of reality, that there will be some things that are unacceptable? And consequently, and remember the difference here is it's not that hate speech is illegal. It's if somebody reports that they are aggrieved by hate speech, it has affected them negatively, then that is when the police will intervene. It's not banning all hate speech, but there are laws to protect victims of hate speech. That's what the law in the U.S. says. So it doesn't affect your right to say it. But it means there will be consequences well, if there is a victim. I, I, again, I, th- I think uh, you're, you're dancing around the definitions there. Hate speech is free speech. There's no distinction in America. You have a right to hate. Um, you don't have a right. You can say, I think white people, I can go on Twitter and I can say white people are evil. I can say that. That's hate speech. And it's protected speech in America. And I'm damn glad it is. Now, if I go on Twitter and say, you know what? We need to kill all the white people in America. Well, that's different, right? That's inciting people to violence. That's directly threatening people. Like I can say what I want about Donald Trump. If I went on Twitter and said, join me, let's go kill Donald Trump. That's, you understand, that's not protected speech. That's the line in America that's different than the line in the UK. But but Donald Trump has built his movement on this. He has taken advantage of the First Amendment. Movements throughout history have been built upon this because we have this freedom in America to speak our minds no matter what. And yet you said earlier that the American experiment is, is, is almost broken. Have, do you think there is a connection? No, no, having nothing to do with this. Thank God we have our Bill of Rights. And... I know you know this. A lot of people don't know this. The, the freedoms in America are negative freedoms. They're freedoms that individual Americans have that protect us from our government, that government can't impede. Um, and thank God we have them. I, I, they're not the reason America is, uh, I think, on, on the back half of our wonderful experiment in democracy here. I, I just think... We as a nation no longer 
kind of have a common set of beliefs. I don't think we we believe in what the same America is anymore. I don't think it has anything to do with Trump. Trump's just a recent ugly consequence of how divided we are. You ran against him in 2020. Um, and I think to, for the for the nomination, you got like a 1.1 <laughs> I didn't something. do well. You didn't do well. Um, just tell me about how you felt at the time and what your desire was to, how you wanted to position yourself as a candidate back in 2020. Well, first, I wanted somebody else to run. Um, uh, by this point, I was out of the closet. I was fully opposed to Donald Trump. I was losing everything. And I wrote an op-ed in the New York Times that summer, and I said, this is not the kind of Republican I am. This is not what I believe in. I don't believe in keeping brown and black people out of America. I don't believe in a Christian theocracy. I don't believe in authoritarianism. This isn't who we Republicans are. Come on, somebody. Somebody challenge Trump in the primary. Come on, Mitt Romney. Get off your ass and challenge Trump. Hey, John Kasich, challenge Trump. I wanted somebody, Anthony, more acceptable than, you know, a former firebrand Tea Party Republican. By that August of 2019, it was clear nobody of any consequence was going to step up. So I did. Um, I did. I thought I could win. I knew it would be difficult. I realized about a month in that I had no prayer at all. Uh, but somebody needed to do it. Trump has just announced his candidacy for 2024. Uh, it's a bit of a broken record now. We can almost predict we can almost predict that speech from a couple of weeks ago as to you know what he was going to say. And he is not taking advice from anybody with a brain, is he? I mean, he really is doubling down on all of the vitriol, the the bigoted hate speech, the you know the build the wall and the whole thing that we heard in 2016. And 2020 is back again for 2024. And yet he has lost three times as a candidate now. I mean, how can the Republican Party seriously, because he is very much the, the leader, albeit unofficial, and he has the, 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 the kind of a grip on that party. How, how does the Republican Party plan on winning if they've got a three times loser being their candidate? And I'd remind our audience, Anthony, that yesterday, uh, Saturday, uh, Trump confirmed that at Mar-a-Lago this past week, he had dinner with a uh, a Jew-hating, black-hating, white supremacist, Holocaust-denying guy, a young young white supremacist named Nick Fuentes. That's Trump right. had dinner with him this past week at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, look, Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. The Republican Party is a cult, my former party. That means Trump is a cult leader. It is damn difficult to pull yourself away from that cult leader. Uh, and Republicans have had every opportunity in the past seven years to shove this guy to the side of the road, but they haven't. Um, and because of that, he's still really strong. And I, Anthony, I'd still be really surprised if he has any strong competition in the Republican primary. I, I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, you don't have to be a genius to see where this is, how this is going to end, right? It's, it's messy. And uh, the vice president uh, candidate won't and can't be Mike Pence now. He's ruled himself out by nature of not doing Trump's bidding on January 6th. But... There is this new terrifying candidate who, again, is another loser. This is Carrie Lake, who famously uh, lost in um, uh, Arizona, wasn't it? Yeah. And she, she is quite the character. She has all of the skill set to speak fluently. She's a veteran newscaster. She's famous to everybody in that state because of it. She talks the talk. She walks the walk. I watched a video of her at Mar-a-Lago a few days ago on stage. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump was sitting without a necktie in the front row, staring at her. She's attractive, so he was obviously drawn to her. She was giving him everything he needed to hear. She was basically presenting her case to be his VP. And I fear he will lap it up. Now, 
those two as a pairing are a very dangerous combination because unlike Pence, Carrie Lake will double down on everything that Trump says. So if Trump says white, she'll say white. He won't say black because he's not interested in black. Hmm. So, I mean, how do do we, how's that going to end? I said about a month and a half ago that I thought Carrie Lake would be Trump's VP pick. Trump loves her, just loves her. So I wouldn't be surprised if next spring, if if he formally comes out and announces her and they start campaigning together, uh, they'll be, uh, sad to say, they'll be dynamite together. Because as you said, she's unbelievably presentable. She presents Trump and Trumpism better than Trump does. Uh, I expect them to be the nom- to be to be the ticket. Uh, I I can't. Um, Mike Pence may run. Mike Pence has no constituency. Uh, Republicans talk about Ron DeSantis. I know Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has zero charisma. Wait till he's on yeah. the national stage. None. Um, the only way this ends is uh, we continue operating in the mode we're now. We're in now where a former Tea Party congressman basically locks arms with Democrats in this country to make sure that Democrats win. And uh, we're going to have to do that, no doubt, for another presidential election cycle to defeat this. So let's just hypothetically say that's you. And Liz Cheney joins in as well, though she hasn't run uh, or, uh, you know, doesn't have jurisdiction anymore but yeah. that doesn't necessarily stop her from being an, an activist um and maybe a couple of others adam kinsing has ruled himself out but i always was of the belief that he was starting a movement to try and galvanize this anti-trump republican movement i mean i want the u.s to have fair opposition and and Joe Biden has very eloquently talked about, you know, tr- Trumpism is, is not the Republican Party of your grandparents. I, I, is there ch- a chance to get back to that with people like yourself and other high profile people? Or has that ship sailed? That ship sailed. I, I, again, Anthony, I'm a dark Irishman. That ship has sailed. Uh, even if Trump, if Trump were gone tomorrow... And Liz Cheney and Joe Walsh tried to run in a Republican primary in 24, we'd have no chance. Trumpism has taken over the party. It's hard. Uh, It was hard for me two and a half years ago to leave the party and be homeless. Liz Cheney is going to experience the same thing. Kinzinger and I are buddies. He's experiencing the same thing. And it's hard because I'm an independent right now. And what do I do? Well, if, and this is what I told Adam, if you believe the Republican Party is an existential threat to our democracy, and I do, well, then you have to actively work for the Democratic Party because they're the only other game in town. They're the only actor that can defeat the Republican Party. So, look, in a way it sucks because I'm still a, a, a Tea Party conservative, but right now, it's just all about manning up, uh, uh, man, woman up, all of us, and defending democracy. So at this moment in time, as far as I'm concerned, we're all, we're all Democrats. Uh, and I'm fine doing that. Liz Cheney and Adam and others are going to have to get used to that. There is no third way, Anthony. There's no, Liz Cheney can't and shouldn't run as an independent. She'll help Trump. There's yeah. no third way. Us principled conservatives have to join with the Democrats, period. Well, there is a third way, and that is the artist formerly known as Kanye West, who's just <laughs> announced his candidacy uh, and wants to run in 2024 as well. And, I mean, that would also split the vote and be a terrible mess. And, and he's associating with some of the, the craziest people in this country right now. I mean, it, it's a two-party system. It's a two-horse race. And we've seen independents or libertarian characters kind of putting themselves up and and they do they they do strip the vote in ways don't they they do um uh look you said it and i believe it i want there to be two vibrant political parties i want there to be an opposition to the democratic party but tough luck we don't have that now and we're not going to have it for a long time 
I tend to believe this Republican Party is on the the track, the anti-democracy track. And in my lifetime, man, it's not changing. Uh, it, again, to, to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, it's a party of old white men and old white women. Old white men and old white women tend to die. And, and the Republican Party's not replacing itself. So I think the party's dying as a national party. But it's not going to change or reform in my lifetime. Anthony, final thing I'll say, there may be a viable third party in the next eight to 10 years, a center-right, center-left party, maybe. Uh, but right now, that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus now is to make sure that Joe Biden or the next Democrat is elected president in 24, period. Let's talk about this word democracy. I have a working theory, which I've mentioned a few times, that it's unfortunate that the word democracy is also the word Democrat, because it means that Republicans and certainly MAGA Republicans don't want to have anything to do with democracy because it belongs to the other team. Hmm. This is this is very dangerous and it might just be semantics, but it's starting to embed itself now. And we've seen so many characters, especially off the back of January 6th, who do not want a traditional democratic election process. They would rather have a uh, an autocrat dictator yes. in the form of Donald Trump. And they're not even pretending that that's not the case. It's become like a badge of honor to say that who wants democracy. And so they're siding with the likes of Putin or Kim Jong-un or Xi Jinping. Those are the people that Trump associates with. Those are the people he got on with while in office. And he wants to be one of them. So, again, what makes me a weird guy, an odd duck, is I come from the mega base. Uh, I escaped the mega base and I still engage with the mega base every day. Um, this, what you said is what they tell me. In a nutshell, they want 1950 America back where white people dominated. Men married women. Women married men. This is what they tell me. You could proudly say Merry Christmas. Uh, there, there were only two genders. Um, I could go on, but you get the point. Yeah. They don't believe, this is what they tell me, that the democratic process is going to get them that America back, which is why they cling to Trump or somebody like Trump. It's going to take a strong man unilaterally to give them that America back. That's what they tell me. The tragedy, Joe, of their whole argument is none of that is true. Like, none of that is going to change their way of life. Whether there's two genders or 20 genders is irrelevant yeah. to them and their lives. And it's the same with crime. You know, the, the, the statistics on crime, there are people living in, you know, with the American dream, with their picket fence, who are not seeing crime, yet are being told by the media that crime is through the roof, and therefore they are jumping on this bandwagon, arming themselves with extra weapons, you know, and living like prisoners in their own houses because they think that the world outside is far worse than it is. And I really felt that in Trump's announcement speech the other day, you know, America is broken and all of this language. And I was like, it isn't like America is amazing. I wanted to move here. So at what point do you think people will start to realize that the language that's being used by the right-wing media and the likes of Donald Trump doesn't reflect reality. It's going to take, uh, it's going to take a generation or two because that, that, that white man and white women with that picket fence uh, turn on Fox News every night uh, and they're told the country is burning down. And, uh, and, and that we ought to look to Putin and we shouldn't be giving any money to help Ukraine. They're fed this every night. Um, Anthony, one of my great regrets in life is I helped inflame these people. Um, we got Trump because Tea Party people like me instilled fear in these people. I would also argue we got Trump because the Republican establishment ignored these people, their base, for a long, long time. And I think these people could have been talked to. They could have been educated. They could have been inspired. Uh, um, but the establishment ignored them. People like me came along and flamed them up. 
And then in 2016, Trump, the demagogue, uh, just said, I'm going to build a wall and keep brown and black people out. And that was it. The, the deal was set. And that's where we are. And I just don't think most of them are going to change. Your turning point, as far as I'm aware, was that moment when Donald Trump was on a podium next to Vladimir Putin and Trump said, who am I going to believe, the security services or the guy standing next to me? And he chose Trump over the the, the, Euro, the U.S. Uh, intelligence um, it, department. I mean, you can't have been the only person that saw those two side by side having that kind of bromance and didn't go, this is, this is wrong. This is not America. Anthony, when that happened in, in the summer of 18, Helsinki, that wasn't my turning point. That was my final straw. Okay. <laughs> but, and that's an important distinction because yeah. I screwed up and I voted for Trump in 2016. I really screwed up because I didn't take him seriously and I didn't pay enough attention to him. I so you just wanted Republicans to win. You, uh, you didn't care who the candidate was. You were just like, well, fine, he's the candidate. We know he's a nutcase, but we'll just, we, we want a Republican and we don't, we don't want Joe Biden. Part of that, oh, we didn't want Hillary Clinton at the time. Hillary Clinton, No, sorry, no, yeah. there, there was part of that. I figured he's just a goof and he'll play a lot of golf and nothing bad will happen. But the other thing, Anthony, was remember, um, I believed our political system in 2016 needed disruption. I believed, and I still believe, our political system is broken. I believe then, I still believe now, I think both political parties are kind of broken. I think we need a third and a fourth party here. I understood why people voted for Trump, because those were the same people who voted for me. Um, once Trump got elected and I started to pay attention to him, I went south every month. I mean, the guy lies every time he opens his mouth, and, and he began to act like a dictator. Um, but the final straw was Helsinki. And Anthony, what's funny is that night I went on my radio show that night and I publicly said, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure this guy is not reelected. He's a traitor. I was bombarded that week by calls from former Republican colleagues in Congress who privately, Anthony, told me they were every bit as incensed against Trump as I was, but they wouldn't say anything publicly. Period. And, and that, that, that's been the story of the last seven years, is Republican silence uh, in the midst so, of so this, this man's is, onslaught. This is where the alternative reality comes from, because this is how I see it. I see two lanes of America. There are two Americas. There's reality where you and I are having this conversation now. And there's this other reality where people are only exposed to Fox and to Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity and the, and the whole kind of crazy train. But you've also got the people who are leading those people who are living in their alternative reality, the, the Ted Cruz's and, and, you know, these characters who know that it's garbage, but have to maintain the line. They have to hold that line. And these are maybe the real traitors mm -hmm. because they've all come out publicly in previous years and said Trump is dangerous, Trump is bad news, Trump is not the right man for the job. And yet they have all come under his spell because of the trappings that come with being in elected office and wanting to maintain power. How do we break, you know, how do we cross the Rubicon? How, how do we actually break the, the fourth wall into this parallel universe? I'm having like science fiction images <laughs> in my head because... I just want to push my hand through, you know, the kind of, the kind of electrostatic wall. It, it, there's no telling those people. But the, the linchpin is the Ted Cruz's and these characters who are lying, who are faking it, who know they're smart. They're not stupid. So they know that what they're doing is, is creating more dysfunction and, is, and hatred. But they're choosing, it's like Joe Manchin, you know, it's like everyone has their price. How do, we, how do we get to that parallel universe to make change? So there have always been three kinds of Republicans in the Trump era. Um, very few people like me who publicly said, I can't support that. Um, there are, though, Anthony, a number of crazies who believe what Trump yeah. says. Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene is a believer. Jim yeah. Jordan, the guy I served with, is a believer. 
Um, yeah. th- there are many Republicans in Congress who are believers, but the largest group of Republicans are people like Paul Ryan, who, who right. know better and just decided to basically look the other way the past seven years and keep their mouths shut. And he went public last week saying, yeah, that, screw, saying yeah, that, yeah, yeah, screw yeah. Paul Ryan. So, yeah. but, 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 Anthony, to your point, when will this break? Well, yeah, so Paul Ryan and others are coming out now saying, no, 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 we got to move on. But their only argument against Trump is that he can't win. Not that he's bad, dangerous, unfit, just that he can't win. Yeah. Weirdly, that might give these Republican cowards like Paul Ryan and the rest enough wiggle room to 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 maybe push Trump a little bit is the fact that he just can't win because all they care about is winning. They clearly don't care that Donald Trump was unfit. And Trump is terrified of losing, isn't he? That's why he's taken time to announce, despite the terrible midterm uh, results, he, he kind of still felt like he had this stronghold. But my view is that he still thinks he is the president and he's living in his winter White House where he's still wearing the badge and people are calling him Mr. President. So to all intents and purposes, in his alternative reality, he is the president. And you're right, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, and you only have to see, you know, the, the lights are on, but no one's home with, with people like her. They really have, they are just so far down the rabbit hole, there is no hope for them. And yet she got reelected. You know, she is now, there is, there is word being said that she is going to be given a prominent place in, in the Congress uh, starting next year. Well, she will. Look, I served with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy's a hollow man. Uh, he has no core. All he cares about is becoming a speaker. So he's cut a deal with Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene. I think Kevin McCarthy will end up being speaker. But in reality, Marjorie Taylor Greene will call the shots. She and she's a she's a QAnon, full on homophobe, racist, evangelical lunatic, and and yet that is going to move the Republican Party as it will be voted for in twenty twenty four to a place that will make them unelectable to to the average intelligent American. Well, surely. and Marjorie Taylor Greene's not alone. There are a bunch like her in the House, yeah. but remember. Marjorie Taylor Greene gets elected every two years because she lives in probably the Trumpiest, most Republican district in the country. So she's safe. We, we yeah. live in a very gerrymandered country. You know that, right? The Democrats yeah. have their districts. Republicans have theirs. And it pays to be more extreme. Um, but this is going to hurt Republicans. If we, get, if we get two years of nothing but crazy investigations and impeaching people and all the rest. That's the best thing in the world for the Democrats. That's the best thing in the world for Joe Biden if he wants to run again, because most of the American people don't want that for two years. It's going to make Republicans look bad. I don't believe that Americans are stupid. You know, there's a lot said about, you know, how dumb do Americans have to be to to vote for this kind of crazy stuff? And I don't think that's the case. You know, all my favorite stuff comes from America. All the, all the my, my great, my <laughs> the, the best kind of uh, popular cultural stuff that I'm interested in comes from America. You know, America is is for me where it's at, and I chose to live here. But, and this is a very difficult question because I'm not seeking to insult half the country. Yeah. I'm just seeking to find out from you. Do you believe that part of the problem? that makes people fall for the, this rhetoric and, and be so gullible as to fall for the cult. Because to people who live in reality, you can tell when Trump is lying. You can tell when Tucker Carlson is, is, is trying to sell something. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to know that this is a grift. What is it about half the voters that makes them go, yeah, yeah, are they doing it because they think it's true or are they doing it because they just want to own the libs and they hate Democrats? So it's all the above. And, and again, I want, to be, I want to be clear that gullibility historically can be found on both sides, yeah. both extremes. Um, there was plenty of that after Obama got elected, um, but it's most pronounced on the right. Part of the problem in America, Anthony, is 
You've got people who live on MSNBC. You've got people who live on Fox. Way too many of us live in our own bubbles where we only listen to and talk to people who think like us. That's a big problem. The danger is the Republican, the right-wing bubble right now is full-on anti-democracy. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, I talk to these people every day. Um, I often ask these people, does Donald Trump lie? Do you think Donald Trump's ever told a lie? M virtually all of them will tell me no. Some say that Trump lies, but every politician lies. Some believe it, Anthony. They really do believe. This pains me to say it because these are former supporters of mine. They really do believe either that Trump never tells a lie. It's just the media. He's the most persecuted president in American history. Um, or the other thing they tell me is, Joe, Trump's a bad guy. But God often called on bad people, flawed men, to get us to the promised land throughout history. Yeah. I hear yeah. a lot of that as well. The, the, the Messiah complex, yeah. the, the idea that he is a chosen one yeah. and therefore he can do no wrong, yeah. despite being a sex offender or despite being uh, uh, you know, done for fraud or whatever it else it is. He, he, he can do no wrong. And, 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 and I, will, I will say this, Anthony. I talk to these people every day. I try to, part of what I'm doing, part of my penance, because I helped get bring this here, is I'm trying to save people and get other people to leave the mega cult. Every week, I reach a couple. I mean, not hundreds of thousands, maybe two or three. And what I found is when you very respectfully, but forcefully, continue to put truth in front of them all the time, repeatedly, eventually a light bulb goes off. And they realize they've been lied to. It takes some time, but it can be done. Do you think it's possible to educate people in the nuances of the media? Uh, I'm referring mainly to confirmation bias, where people who have a bias, because I'm criticized of this all the time. You know, I have a, a separate podcast that is an unbiased, nonpartisan news podcast, Five Minute News. And, and people write comments and they're like, well, you said this about Trump, so therefore it's bias. And I'm like, no, it's not my bias. I'm just reporting the truth. Your confirmation bias makes you think that I am biased when it's your bias. And this is a huge conversation. We don't have time for yeah. it. But is it possible to educate Americans to know that the bias is in them and that has been indoctrinated into them over 20 years or 30 years of negative media? I don't think it's possible with most Americans who are 50 years old and older. Yeah. Uh, I do believe younger Americans, who, by the way, don't go to MSNBC or CNN or Fox News or any cable news to get informed. I think there's a different mindset with younger Americans and they're more reachable to get out of these bubbles that most Americans are in. I mean, it's you're a very brave person, A, for standing up to the machine. I, I am very interested in the, the you talking about needing to repent for the for the sins of, of driving and you know, yeah. fanning the flames of Trumpism. Yeah. My, I have a final question for you, and that is for you as somebody who you know, is smart. You started life as a social worker, right? Yeah. So you're, you're a good person, right? You don't start out <laughs> doing a job like that unless you have goodness in you. To overlook the, because Trump was, anybody on the East Coast will know Trump was a baddie for decades, right? Even his father. I mean, just the history of that family is such that they're not great people. He, he wouldn't be a social worker, put it that yeah. way. Yeah. How much of a shift was it for you to to actually go from being a level-headed, smart guy and to kind of close your eyes to bigotry and to racism mm -hmm. and to xenophobia and all of the all of the dirt that went with his candidacy? So uh, it's a Anthony. That's such a good question. Uh, let me answer it like this. Uh, even though I've been a social worker and a teacher, um, I've always been pretty libertarian in my politics. I've always been very kind of limited government in my politics. So my politics haven't changed much. I became part of the Tea Party uh, in 2010 and ran for Congress. 
and it, it was about the issues to me. I was pissed off about all of the debt. I was mad at Republicans and Democrats for all of this growth in government and all of the debt. That's what animated me. And as I got into that movement and I became a leading Tea Party voice, um, I can't tell a lie. I wish I had paid more attention to the ugly, bigoted, racist stuff that was part of virtually every Tea Party event that I was at. It was not in the majority, but it was there. And I was so caught up in fighting for the things I believed in, I kind of didn't give it enough attention. And then Trump's, Trump comes along five, six years later, he taps into this, and I saw all my old supporters turn into almost like ugly nationalist overnight. And it caused me to reflect about all the things, all the signs I missed in the previous years. Um, I'm guilty of that. Okay. Joe Walsh, thank you very much for, for joining us and, um, and for seeing the light. Thank you, brother. All right. All the very best to you. Thanks, That's Joe Anthony. Walsh. I'm Anthony Davis. A reminder to visit um, the 5-Minute News website, 5minute.news, and find out all sorts of things about what we do. You can subscribe to The Weekend Show on YouTube or as an audio podcast and the 5-Minute News daily podcast, which drops every morning so you can listen whilst you make your coffee. Join me next week with a brand new special guest and three more factual news stories to discuss on the 5-Minute News Weekend Show with Midas Touch. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.